Hey, good morning, everybody. The Holy Spirit has been called the forgotten God. So if you're meeting somebody for the first time, you might ask, who are you? And what is your name? And what do you do? I'm going to be trying to answer these questions this morning. In the next couple of weeks, we've talked about the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer said that we might as well face it. The level of spirituality in America is very low. As long as we are full of ourselves, we can never be full of the Holy Spirit. So ask yourself this question. When was the last time I saw the Spirit of God at work in me or around me? If you're having trouble recalling a time when the Spirit was at work in you or around you, it could be that you're not really attuned to the Holy Spirit. It could be that you're ignoring the Holy Spirit. It could be you're ignorant of the Holy Spirit. I've known people that were not very familiar at all with the Holy Spirit become intimate and powerfully empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I want you to see him working in your life and through you. And I want you to be drawn into deeper communion with the Spirit and experience his power and his presence in your life. So let me begin this morning by asking a question. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? And how would you know if you really are? And would you like to see this church be a Spirit-filled church? The Holy Spirit has been called the lost member of the Trinity. (laughs) Not many too many people get the Holy Spirit, but he is very active in our lives, transforming us. And he is indispensable to live the Christian life. If there were no Holy Spirit, there'd be no faith. (laughs) There'd be no church. There'd be no Christianity at all. The universe would be unfilled and unformed because the Holy Spirit hovered over the creation. There would be no human life because Adam was breathed in through the Holy Spirit, the breath of life. There'd be no virgin birth because the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. There'd be no Bible because the the writers of the scriptures were inspired by the Holy Spirit. There'd be no victory over Satan. There'd be no grace dispensed for salvation. There'd be no strength for us in our trials. What would it be like for us not to have the Holy Spirit, to not be baptized with the Spirit, to be baptized into the body of Christ? Let me ask you again. Are you filled with his spirit? The filling of the Holy Spirit should be the desire of every Christian. You may have thought it's a privilege only for a few, the spiritual elite. The truth is, the the filling of the spirit is for every believer. But to be filled, there are two prerequisites. To experience the filling of the Holy Spirit, first of all, you must be a Christian. You must be born again. Jesus was talking to a man named Nicodemus, the first Nick at night. And he came to Jesus saying, you must be a teacher from God for no one could do the miracles you're doing unless um, God was with him. And he said to Nicodemus, this great religious leader, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless he is born a second time, born again. Now Jesus was speaking on a spiritual level. But Nicodemus thought he was talking on a physical level, talking about re-entering his mother's womb and being born a second time. And Jesus said, unless a man is born of water and born of the Spirit, he cannot be born again. See the kingdom of heaven. For flesh gives birth to flesh, and the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You cannot see the wind, but you don't know where the wind comes from. But you see the effects of the wind, and such is a man born of God's Spirit. So first of all, a person to be filled with the Spirit 
must be a believer in Jesus Christ. It is the Spirit that gives life, who enters into us, who breathes life into us. And for the filling of the Holy Spirit is only for those who want to be filled with His Spirit. We don't automatically get filled. The Bible nowhere says be baptized with the Spirit, or be sealed with the Spirit, or be indwelt with the Spirit. But the Bible says do not get drunk on wine, which is dissipation or debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill us with his love. God wants to fill us with his goodness. God wants to fill us with his peace that passes all human understanding. God wants to fill us with his power. God wants to fill us with his joy. But in order to be filled of God, we have to desire the filling of God. Not to be drunk on wine, which is debauchery, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, there's only one way you get drunk, and that is to drink. There's only one way you get filled with the Spirit, and that is to be a believer and earnestly want it. See, because when a person gets drunk, they walk differently, and they talk differently, and they dance differently. You ever seen a drunk person dance? And they think differently, and they feel differently, because the, the influence of alcohol is upon them. But when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, they begin to act differently and talk differently and sing differently and think differently and feel very differently. So we're going to conclude our service today by asking you again the question, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? For now, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 1. We're just going to touch this and move back to the book of John on the Holy Spirit. So it was on one occasion... When Jesus was eating with his disciples, and I love how they loved to eat with each other. They had fellowship with each other. They broke bread. And he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised to you, which you heard me speak about. Now to wait goes against our human nature. We don't find waiting easy. <laughs> you know, the elevator doesn't come when we push the button. And the meal doesn't always arrive on time. And the very day we pray, we don't see an answer to prayer. But God sometimes calls us to wait. And the disciples were called to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit that the Father promised that Jesus talked about. And he said, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They all knew the baptism of John. John preached a message of repentance. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And people who heard his message repented and were baptized in the Jordan River. These men had been baptized by John. But now Jesus is saying another kind of baptism is coming. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, a baptism of fire. And then he said, and when he, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in your hometown of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. God was going to visit them with power and give to them authority and confidence. God was going to give to his church boldness and courage. But first of all, they needed to be visited by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would have to come upon them in order for them to be empowered to serve Christ. 
So let's go back now, what the Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus in the book of John. We're going to pick up five different teachings about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 and verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. The true test of our love for Jesus is our willingness to obey his commands. If you love somebody, when they make a request, a command to you, you will follow it. And Jesus said, this is my command. Go and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always until the very end of this age. In order to follow that command, they would need the help and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So then Jesus said in verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another counselor to be with you forever. Jesus now is promising to make a request of Abba God, Abba Father. And he is serving here as high priest. Hebrews says he is able to save us to the uttermost. I like to say that God is able to save us from the guttermost to the uttermost. But God is able to save us to the uh, nth degree. God's mercy is able to save us. But those who come to him, since he lives to make intercessions for them. You see, now Jesus is making intercession on behalf of his church. This is his priestly ministry. And he will give unto you something. This is the promise being fulfilled. Although Jesus is equal to the Father, he knew he had to ask of the Father the provision of the Spirit to accomplish the Father's will. This is the beauty and the mystery of the Trinity. God manifesting himself in three persons, equal in their essence, but each having different roles. Notice here the confidence that Jesus has in his statement, I will ask the Father and he will give to you. Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit as the divine substitute. And the words make it abundantly clear. The disciples were not getting less of God when they were getting the Holy Spirit. He will give to you another counselor. Now, the word for another is the Greek word alos, meaning of the same kind. It is not the word heteros, meaning of a different kind. What Jesus is saying is, you will receive another counselor of the same kind. If you and I went out to lunch together today, and I ordered a lemonade with extra lemons, and I enjoyed my lemonade very, very much, and I said I'd like to have another one, what that would mean is, I'd like to have another of the same kind. The very same kind of lemonade you just gave me, I'd like another one. So when Jesus is saying here that I'm going to ask the Father and he's going to give you another counselor, comforter, it's another of the same kind. If I use the word heteros, it might mean I'd like another drink, another iced tea, or another milkshake, or another cup of coffee. But Jesus is using the word another counselor. Who was the first counselor? It was Jesus. You see, Jesus gave them counsel. And he always gave them good counsel. You might be standing yourself this day at a crossroad, looking to God for his counsel. 
David was somebody who inquired of the Lord. When the service is winding down, we're going to be asking you to come forward and seek counsel, to seek prayer. You see, we want this place to be a house of prayer where God's people can come and pray and somebody will pray with them. And the promise in Scripture is if we lack wisdom, we can ask of God who gives to all men generously without reproach and it shall be given unto them. You might be re-entering the labor market right now. You might be searching for a new job. You might be trying to choose an assignment within the military. You might be in college thinking about your courses or making a hard decision. God himself is a counselor, and God would love for us to seek his counsel. Jesus was the first counselor, and now he promises to send a second. Another counselor, the Greek word is the word paraclete, meaning one who comes alongside to comfort, one who comes alongside to assist, one who comes alongside to help us, one who comes alongside to advocate, to plead our case on our behalf. So let's imagine for a moment that you this morning have some serious legal trouble. So you go downtown to a law firm, the firm of Green, Brubaker, and Miller. And you go in to the senior partner of the firm, Mr. Green, and you tell him your story. And you say, Mr. Green, will you come alongside and help me? And I say, sure, I'd be glad to help you for $400 an hour. Little joke. You see, at that moment, I have become your paraclete, your advocate. I have come alongside of you to help you, to assist you, to encourage you, to comfort you, to plead your case. But then Mr. Green gets promoted to a higher position, another office, if you will. And I say, I'd like to give you my associate, another counselor, Mr. Brubaker. He's going to take my place. He is my substitute. Now you have two advocates working on your behalf. You see, Jesus, the first counselor, was promoted to heaven. But the Holy Spirit took his place and now becomes our counselor. This is the idea of coming alongside of somebody. You see, God really wants to help you and to assist you and to counsel you and to comfort you and to plead for you to be your advocate. This last uh, Sunday night, we were driving up on Gambrel Mountain to the Fire Lakes. Sometime we'll have to go up to the Fire Lakes. Beautiful, the reservoir on top of Gamble. And as we were driving back, we heard this thump, 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 and it was our tire had gone flat. And so we really didn't know how to disassemble the jack. And so somebody pulls up alongside of us to render assistance, to render help. It wasn't a, a, a AAA truck. It was somebody just had some knowledge, some working knowledge of mechanics. And they began to take the jack out of the car and pump up the uh, car and then change the tire. You see, somebody came alongside of us to assist us, to help us in our distress. My favorite picture of someone coming alongside of us is that of a child learning to ride a bicycle. And they have training wheels on the back. And then it comes a day when the training wheels come off and the dad or the mom or the brother or the sister run alongside you know, steadying the bike and launching that little child in their journey toward riding a bike for the very first time. It's this idea that Jesus is conveying here of the paraclete, the one who comes alongside of us to help us and to assist us. And this paraclete will be one who is the spirit of truth. 
You see, Jesus was the truth, the, the life, and the way. And now the Spirit is known also as the Spirit of truth, the one who will speak the truth into your life. God desires truth in your innermost being. God desires us for us to speak the truth in love to one another. So here is the core truth. The Spirit of truth communicates through us through Scripture. Herein lies the Gospel, that Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross for your sins, that Jesus Christ was buried in a tomb, and then on the third day, Jesus Christ was raised back to life. And when you believe this core truth of the Gospel, that Christ was crucified for your sins, that he was buried in a tomb, and he rose again on the third day, then you become identified with God and you can say, I have been crucified with Christ. My old life has been buried with Christ and I have been raised unto newness of life. You see, the spirit of truth wants this truth to be embedded into our souls that I have been crucified with Christ, that sin no longer has power over me. I'm no longer under the dominion of sin. I have been set free. And my old life has been buried in that tomb. And I've been raised unto newness of life. You see, there is the core of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit, thank you, the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of Scripture to record that for us. For holy men of old were carried along by the Spirit. And the very same Spirit that inspired them illumines us. You ever been trying to read the Scriptures? And just doesn't make sense to you. Just like, just like you don't understand what you're reading. You have the Bible open and you don't understand. And so you can pray, Spirit of Truth, Teacher, illumine to me this truth. You see, there's two ways to read the Bible. One is sort of like checking it off the box. Like, I did my daily devotions. I put my five minutes in and now I'm done. Another is to say, God, I want to hear from you. I want you to speak to me. Illumine my mind. I want to understand. I really want to follow what you say. You see, we get so accustomed to hearing lies. We don't hear the truth anymore. The Holy Spirit is the voice of truth. And you shall know the truth of God, and that truth will finally set you free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You see, God is a counselor, and God is the Spirit of of truth. Scripture says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world will never know God by its empiricism, by what it sees, or by its rationalism, by what it pretends to know. And what God is saying here is the children of God are very different from the unbelievers because the children of God have the presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of them. The Spirit of God is always speaking to them. And we're trying to attune ourselves to hear his voice and to follow him. You see, the Spirit ministers to us in a very deep way. We're facing a time of uncertainty, and the Spirit ministers peace. We're going through a deep time of loss and pain and grief, and the Spirit ministers comfort. We're facing a time of turmoil, and the Spirit ministers to us his peace. The natural man cannot receive the things of God, the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, because these things are spiritually discerned. You see, the promised Spirit is a teacher. 
All this I've spoken to you, verse 25 and 26. All these things I've spoken to you while I was still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. What, what Jesus was speaking about there is the Gospels. You see, God spoke to the apostles, and the doctrine of the apostles is given to us in the Gospels. The apostles wrote. He's calling to our mind remembrance of everything he said to us. You see, the message we deliver here is a doctrine once and for all delivered unto the saints. It is the doctrine of man's inability to help himself spiritually. It is of God's grace delivered to us through the person of Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who takes these truths and brings them home to our hearts so we can understand them. It is of God's unfailing perseverance with us. The Holy Spirit enables us then to teach these truths to others. So here's the pattern. God spoke first of all to the apostles and then through the Holy Spirit he would remind them of the things he said. And we read in the scriptures the apostles' doctrine. And we receive the very same word that they receive as we are taught of God. But it takes humility on our part to be receptive to what God would say to us. So we say, Holy Spirit, be my teacher. Teach me the very words of God. And then the Holy Spirit becomes for us an advocate. John chapter 16 and verse 7. But in fact, he says, it is best for you if I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. You're better off that Jesus has gone back to heaven. You say, Pastor, how could that be? You see, while Jesus was here, if he were in Frederick, he could only be in Frederick. He couldn't be over in Middletown. He certainly couldn't be up in Walkersville. He certainly wouldn't travel over to Boonesboro. He wouldn't go up to Hagerstown. He certainly wouldn't go down to Urbana. He could only be at one place at one time. But when the Holy Spirit came, now the Holy Spirit lives inside of believers' hearts, you see. And now God can be in multiple people's lives at multiple times. It is to your advantage, she says. It is best for you if I go away. In their sorrow, they could only think of their loss. But if Jesus doesn't go away, the advocate won't come. But if he does go away, he says, I will send him to you. And the first, or well, the three different ministries of the Holy Spirit given here are of conviction of sin, conviction of righteousness, and conviction of judgment. The first ministry of the Holy Spirit, then, is to bring conviction, to bring, to convict the world of its sin. Billy Graham had a beautiful wife whose name was Ruth. And Ruth tried, <laughs> tried to bring conviction to Billy's life, just like many wives will try. She'd say, Billy, you need to stop doing this. Billy, you need to start doing this. Billy, you can't say that. Billy, you should say this. And she came to the awareness that she could not make him good. <laughs> she was, her job was to make him happy. The Holy Spirit's job was to make him good. Do you realize that you cannot bring conviction to any person? You can have this conversation. You can bring a message. You can have a dialogue. You can have, answer a person's question. But you really can't bring conviction to their heart of their own sin. It's the Holy Spirit 
whose first work in us is to bring conviction concerning sin. The scripture says that he will bring conviction into the world of its unbelief. He will convict the world of its wrong ideas, which they have because they do not believe. He will convict the world of its sin, because without his conviction, they will not believe. He will convict the world of the sin of unbelief. The idea here is the first work of the Holy Spirit in any person's life is to bring that person's awareness of their own sin. You see, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring conviction of that sin to us so we will not walk in it any longer and be a slave to that sin and be under the dominion of that sin. God wants us to walk in freedom. And so he brings, first of all, conviction to us concerning our own sin. He brings awareness of our own pride, of our own arrogance. God begins breaking us down and and, um, working with that hard clay, melting it. God begins shaping us with the Holy Spirit, conforming us likeness to Jesus. But the very first work is that work of conviction. You see, the Spirit came with power on the day of Pentecost. The church was awaiting the coming of the Spirit. And when the Spirit came, He came upon them very powerfully. And Peter preached about Jesus. And those who were listening to Him came under conviction. They said, what shall we do? Their hearts were cut. And He said, you must repent and be baptized by the Spirit and receive the forgiveness of your sins in the name of Jesus Christ. We cannot convict a person of their sin Only the Holy Spirit can. The famous evangelist R.A. Torrey was preaching revival services. And as he preached, he preached his heart out. And there were some young men who themselves had become believers. And they were standing in a park. And they were testifying to the fact that God had delivered them from their sin. And a man was walking by. And he heard their testimony. And he heard the invitation to hear R.A. Torrey preach. And under the preaching of the Word of God this man began to feel like he had not felt before. He felt this heaviness upon his heart. He found he was far distant from God, but God was speaking to him. And he said, I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know what's going on in my life. And R.A. said to him, it is you are under the conviction of sin. Wouldn't it be an incredible thing this morning if the Holy Spirit were to come upon us and the Holy Spirit were to bring conviction to us of our own sin, to show us where we have been sinning. So the first work of the Holy Spirit then is the conviction of sin, but also of righteousness. You see, Jesus was and is the righteous Son of God. And none of us is righteous. And He sets the standard for each one of us. But when Jesus lived upon this earth, they brought accusations against Him that were not true. And they put Him upon a criminal's cross, which He did not deserve. And the work of the Holy Spirit is you begin to see Jesus as the righteous one. And we do not measure up to His standard. And we need His grace and His forgiveness for our sins. And God proved He was the righteous one by not keeping Him on that cross where He paid for our sins, but raising Him up from the dead and seating Him at the right hand of God, proving to everyone, this is the righteous Son of God. And then He brings the judgment, the awareness of judgment to all mankind. The Holy Spirit brings conviction of the sin of this world. He brings the awareness of righteousness, but also of judgment. 
You and I both know that there is a reckoning day. There is a day when all mankind will give an account of themselves to God, including ourselves. And God proved that by judging the prince of this world. And it says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. But when the spirit of truth comes upon you, he's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling whatever he hears he receives from me. I'm going to invite Jimmy to come on back and the team. I want to ask you this question and invite our prayer warriors also to come. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Do you want to be filled with the Spirit of God? Do you want to be part of a Spirit-filled church? Scripture says don't be getting drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled. There's the command. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So what does it mean to be filled with God's Spirit? First of all, I'll tell you, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's saying, be filled. God is not asking you. He is telling you. (laughs) And your response must be an action of your will. Secondly, it is a passive thing. It is like the Spirit does the filling. We have to let him do it in our lives. You cannot be full of yourself and be full of the Spirit. Think of a tank of gas, right? And the tank is full. And you take off from the gas station. And you move away from that gas station, you begin to drive some distance. And the tank progressively becomes less and less full until the tank is empty. You know, yesterday's filling is not enough for today. (laughs) And today's filling is not enough for tomorrow. It's a command to be continuously being filled with God's Holy Spirit. We pray in the Spirit, you see, at all times, in all situations. So a Spirit-filled church is a praying church. You see, it's people who are humbling themselves before God and asking for His help. Oh God, help me. Oh God, assist me. Oh God, counsel me. Oh God, advocate for me. Oh God, teach me. And then when we hear his sweet voice bring conviction of our sin, oh God, I enter into a spirit of agreement. I agree that I have been sinning. Oh God, forgive me and heal me and cleanse me. You see, this is the operation of the Holy Spirit. And before you know about him, you'll never understand the book of Acts. But this morning, we invite you to respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting in your life. Would you stand with us? And here's people who will pray with you.